Hello, everybody. Golly, it just seems like it was last Tuesday, and we were we were finishing the broadcast. Time has just boom flown by. Whew. A whole week. And we hope that you are all doing well. Very uh, busy time frame here in Dallas, and um, I appreciate Monica being up here in the booth it's not like you don't have a million other things going on leading up to Friday's festivities festivities well it's an honor and a blessing to be here this of course is my priority as it should be so I told them that I was otherwise occupied for the next few hours. But they're off getting their wedding license, I hope and pray. Wow, that's an interesting thing. So they have to go down to City Hall. To see the clerk. To the clerk, which is an interesting place. It's, it's, you feel like you have descended into the bowels of every bus station in, in the southern part of America. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. That, that's just a description. I haven't been down there since I went down there to get my first passport when we were going, to, no, my second passport when we were going to Africa the first time. Well, the only time I've been there. And it, we ended up having to spend about four or five hours down there. And it is, it, it definitely is, is interesting. Almost you feel like you, when you walk down there, <laughs> This the old Star Wars. Of course, you know when you know, it's funny when I make these movie references, which I I don't do very often. There are some people who in in our church who always express that they've not seen the movie, and and I think. Well, 99% of the known world has seen this movie, so it really doesn't matter that you let me know you haven't seen it. But they do anyway. I've done that to you more no, than once. No, you have Oh, I have too. When was the last time Oh, you did multiple, that? multiple times you've seen, you've seen many more movies than me. No, I remember, speaking of traveling, I remember when we were traveling to, um, well, it was on the way to Africa, and I spent a lot of time with your daughter, with Kelly. Yeah. on that trip and <laughs> she is very much like you in that regard and she would make reference or sing a song or uh, quote a line out of a movie and I would say I have no idea what you're talking about and she literally was keeping a list <laughs> oh, no. of all the movies that I needed to see when we got home from that long long trip and I think I mean even going into Greece I remember having a conversation with her I don't remember what the movie was but she was just like dumbfounded that I had not seen this particular oh. movie. So I have caught up since I've she, been part of the Crawford clan. Well, it's it's funny because we'd, we'd use that just as ongoing comedy routines. I've, I've been with you and, and Katie and Kelly enough. Of course, what's funny is to hear Katie and Kelly go at it because uh -huh. Kelly, will, Kelly will drop some reference and then and then if her sister hasn't heard it, she will let her sister know why haven't you why don't you know this and then I think Katie does it too but I I don't know 
Well, it's so funny. I'm, I'm going to tell on her. On Sunday morning, this last Sunday morning, she came into the pre-worship time prayer service that we have usually in Peace Chapel. And Kelly, Katie and I, had, and you, had been talking about what we felt like the Lord wanted to do that morning prophetically. And Katie was thumbing through trying to find a song. And Kelly walks in and says, what are you looking for, Katie? And Katie said, I'm looking for a psalm for the, the ministry time. And Kelly said, well, she sat down. She said, well, I don't think I can help you because the only song that keeps running through my mind is everybody ought to have a maid from some play that you guys had seen. No, I didn't see it. They went down to the Majestic with those people that the girls had worked with and they saw something on Friday with those folks. So we started talking about this. She sang the song. Oh, and no. And we started talking about how we could prophetically change that into, because I'm like, I totally agree. And, you know, they talk about the Levites being the, you know, the doorkeepers and the janitors, and they had to keep, you know, they had to, to keep the pathways clean and, I said, maybe we could make that into some kind of a prophetic song. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny how, I mean, oh it's not goodness. in any way dishonoring the Lord. It's the Lord allowing us to use his creative nature to um, not only to enjoy, but to express, I guess. Yeah, you know, I've told this before, but my environment growing up was quasi-holiness and we weren't really allowed to do anything and secondly we didn't have the money to go and do anything so that was kind of a bonus <laughs> I don't think if we'd have had the money to go out and do things then that would have really meant something that that we weren't allowed to do anything so so many films um, I just didn't know anything about it. I remember when I came here to Dallas to intern, Dallas had like one more UHF channel than Pittsburgh did. So they actually, I think, had two UHF channels. And these place, people would play old movies, most of which I had never seen. And I, I remember, what was it I saw that I, it was just, Oh, I can't remember. It was some old-timey movie that I remember watching on a Sunday afternoon on the UHF station here in Dallas. And I was just amazed. It was an, a, a new world. Now, we both know. We're, we're going somewhere with this, I guess. We both know that you got to learn how to manage your walk in the Lord. Your walk in the Lord. And if you, if you go, that's what the Apostle Paul said, let your moderation be known. If you go full bore one way, you're not going to be able to sustain that. You just aren't. And if you go full bore the other way, you're going to totally ruin your walk with the Lord. And, and in the middle, you, you've, got to, you've got to be practical. But you, you really have to guard against... The attempts, especially now, of media to persuade you to a mindset that is not Christian. 
And you certainly have to guard against demonic things, which are much more prevalent now. Um, so it's, it's a strange thing. And I know Christians, their viewpoints are all over the map with this. You know, some, some people will think that if we talk about a movie that somehow we've failed God. And then other people think, you know, you should just open yourself to everything. And, and it, it's, it's always a mystery. I remember when, when we were, we had a, a much larger children's ministry. There were all kinds of opinions about what kids should and shouldn't participate in. And, and I know that after we really were touched by the Lord, there were a lot more restrictions that were being voiced. Of course, that time was really strange because you remember how the Spirit just came down and was really, really captivated our attentions because he was trying to establish something. It wasn't just a visitation. It wasn't just a, you know, I'm going to come and you're going to have this love fest with me. It was, I am starting something that's going to impact the world, and you really need to give it your full attention. Do you think that's a fair statement? But I remember my girls coming home, and they would be telling me how you know, this, these kids weren't allowed to do this and these kids weren't allowed to do that. Of course, everybody has to manage, work out their own salvation. But being in a pastor role, I had to, this sounds awful, but I had to counsel my girls, okay, well, we're going to do this, but you don't need to make an issue of it because other people might not understand. But uh, I know that, like, in my day, the pastors would make their kids toe the line of any kind of restriction so that they didn't offend their congregation. And that corrupted a lot of kids. And then what happened is when the kids got older, they just went wild because they weren't allowed to do anything. That's when it becomes religion. Yeah. And and legalism. And I think the best thing you can do is teach your kids to to know the Lord, to to walk in the Spirit, to know the difference between darkness and light, to understand the ways of the enemy as best that you can, age appropriate, to to be an example for them of what that looks like, but also you know, just the whole sanctification process of you accept Christ, he becomes formed in you, and everything within you wants to be like him. And so things that you're exposed to, you're hypersensitive to the darkness and to anything that's contrary to that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I know for me, I have to be super careful with what I with what I watch and what I listen to, even at this stage, because it's not because I don't think I can handle it. It's because it repulses me. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming more and more subtle as the days go by. 
But I mean, there was a day when I wouldn't let my kids watch 90% of the cartoons on Disney Channel. Oh, sure. Whatever those kid channels were. Yeah. And you had to, you really had to police that. But now, I mean, these days with the, the agenda of the enemy, it's so subtle with homosexuality and gender issues and, and abortion and all these issues that they they leak in there so subtly yeah. that what we have to do is teach our children about the Lord and to be able to discern between good and evil and to I don't know it's it's I remember Fabian said years and years ago and he just threw this out I think it might have been, even been in one of the sessions at an early, early seminar. But he said, I always tell the kids, when he was a youth pastor, I always tell the kids, not that he's not a youth pastor anymore, but you know what I mean, um, that when they're watching television or sitting watching a movie, they need to, they need to do it with the perspective that Jesus is sitting next to them. <laughs> and I, I bet, think about that. I, I mean, bet the Lord could put away a lot of popcorn. I, I bet he could. But what you don't want to do is, like you said, is is make it about religion or legalism. It's yeah. about the spirit. It's about relationship. It's about our desire to walk with him yeah. and what we choose to expose in our eye gate and our ears and, and in our spirit and our soul. So I'm super sensitive. Yeah. Well, you know, this really leads into things in the spirit realm. If If... If you aren't, if you don't allow your thinking to let the Spirit show you things in the Word so that you're at least conversant from the Word about issues, the enemy will have a field day with you. And then you'll be, you'll be classified as narrow-minded and, and, you know, because you aren't able to, to candidly discuss what you believe and and why and um, you know and there's so many there's so many areas like yesterday I picked the twins up from school and we had a discussion by by their request <clears throat> as the for the difference between Catholics and what we are and it started with Ali asking me, are Catholics Christians? Now, you know, so you know me, I started talking to them and telling them different things about, I think you've got to start by what is a Christian? What, what makes a person a Christian? And so they answered me that. And I, I went through, we had a long conversation. Of course, we had to throw some comedy in in the middle of it. But um, I said, we've met a lot of, I grew up with a lot of Catholic kids. We, we met a lot of Catholic people in Europe, particularly. And we've met some Catholics that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have asked him to cleanse them. And other Catholics that only go to the priest and have never talked to God on their own. And... So, but, but I just spelled out the, the major differences between Catholics and what, what we as Protestants, but we just went through a whole spiel 
And I, I think that at this age, they ask the question. I don't know why they ask the question, but we went through it. Now, when I was growing up, if I'd asked my dad that, he probably, in his very simple measure of understanding, would say that we're the Christians, the Catholics, most of them are lost. That's, that's what we would believe. Uh, but but it, it goes that way in a lot of things. I mean, these kids, they, they, they want to know, what is this thing about gender issues? Did you hear about those kids up was it in Wisconsin that have been young middle school kids, very just entering middle school? I think there were a couple of boys who misused pronouns in discussing with a kid who, who I guess was gender fluid or something. And the school district suspended them and charged them with being, um, oh, it was, a, it was a, what was it? Sexual abuse? And that, that's, a, that's a legal charge. And so the parents are, of course, outraged and the school district is sticking to this, and I guess there's going to be a lawsuit. But this is permeating everything that all the younger kids are experiencing. And so you, you have to discuss things as much as they're able to understand so that they're not because immediately, you know what it is, we, we who are Bible-believing people are immediately branded as whatever. Any kind of phobia, any kind of racist, any kind of ist, and it's simply not the case, you know? Yeah. So... Um, it's a weird world we, we're in. You know, I, we talk about it being subtle, just the whole agenda of just that very topic. And I think about when my kids were in school, which was not that long ago. <laughs> you know, when they were at St. John's in the Episcopal School and even in the Catholic High School um, at Bishop Lynch, <laughs> there were homos I mean, there were homosexuals when I was in high school. But they didn't come out until later, and then I found out, oh, wow, because I'm kind of oblivious to that most of the time. Um, but, you know, even when my kids were in school, through grade school and through high school, it was not prevalent like it is today. And, and you know, we talk about the enemy being so subtle, but the acceleration of this whole agenda is moving so quickly and so intensely that it, that is frightening. It's like a, an indoctrination and evangelizing. Totally. Totally. And so I think about my children's children and, you know, your grandchildren and, and the things that, you know, what is this world going to look like when, when they begin to have children? And, you know, just the fact that my iPhone has an emoji of a pregnant man. It's terrible. Is repulsive. 
And you know, part of me thinks, you know, and then you hear about Target, where we all shop, is selling these breast bands for girls that they put on their breasts so that it has something to do with making them look more like a boy to promote the that agenda. And I mean, every day you hear about different companies that are, you know, you regularly patronize that are paying their employees, paying for their abortions, or, you know, just, it's just, it's, it's like, are we really going to have to move to Tyler and live in that commune? <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, where do you draw the line? Where do you, like, for instance, where I, where my kids were in school for 14, 15 years was an excellent school academically. I would go to chapel regularly. The priest was kind-hearted. He always spoke the gospel. Not one time did I ever hear him say anything that was in the least bit off-centered or something that I had to talk to my kids about. Now, Bishop Lynch was a different story but with the Catholics, but um, it was just very neutral as far as the message that they brought from the gospel to those kids. And I have a really good friend who has a seventh grader there. And he told me recently that they have, I think it's either a seventh or an eighth grade boy that wears a skirt and wears his hair in pigtails with the, you know, the plaid bows. And he, they let him work the carpool line. So these little children, these little pre-Kers, these little kindergarten first graders, this kid, not, I mean, God loves his kid, but he's greet, first thing that he, you know, that they see when they get out of the car is this boy dressed like a girl at this Christian very school. established Christian school yeah. because the agenda is seeking, seeping into the leadership there and they don't have, I was going to say the balls, the guts <laughs> to stand up for what is right. Where's those parents? I mean, I, it just, I, I'm just like, oh my gosh. That's it, amazing. I know. Well, I, so. I remember when Katie was still teaching and she had a lot of friends, obviously among the teachers at one of the schools you mentioned, the high school. And so many of them in their colleges have been trained to be not only progressive, but radically progressive. And they were vocal about it. And so if you have the faculty, as you were just saying, who has been indoctrinated and trained and has an agenda to produce that. Uh, and, and you know, the thing was is that so many of the things that they were embracing were diametrically opposed to Catholic theology. And I said, how do they, how do they uh, rectify that disparity? How do they, you know, even just with the simple idea of abortion? Um, I was listening to Bill O'Reilly the other day, and he had a poll done among Catholic churches across the nation from the past couple of weeks. How many of their priests are speaking out against the murder of children? And 
almost none of them were. And, and I'm not slamming the Catholics. I'm not. But what I'm saying is that even in Christian schools, if the faculty and the administration are wokists or leftists in their ideology, it doesn't matter if it's classified as a Christian school because this stuff, as you said, is leaking in. In, in major universities, I mean, in, in, I mean, even at Westmont, where Noah was in college, where, I mean, that was life-changing for him, him being a part of that community and just the community that God surrounded him with. But now it's, I mean, he, we had a, a very intense conversation with him last time he was here about us sowing money into that school because we committed ourselves to sow into that college because of what they sowed into him. And, and that was just a commitment that Les and I made. And Noah was saying, please don't. I, I, I would rather you sow the Lord's money into something that you trust that is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it, you know, it kind of gave us a shift in our thinking of, of how we appropriate those funds because you know, I, and you know, it's that's something that's just something that we have to take before the Lord. But I don't want to sow into something that's that's gonna subsequently sow something unrighteous into the next generation. So, right. Anyway, Vicky just she just texted and sent a comment. And she said, in many ways, it's like we're living in the midst of Sodom. She said, I wonder if Lot felt like we do. And it really makes us more sympathetic to his situation. Yeah. Thank you, Vicki, for that comment. That's so true. Yeah. Wow. We did not intend to take this path. No. We? Why did you do this to us? <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> well, you just never know when you enter into the, the realm of the chit-chat hour which way the spirit is going to chit or chat and... We just go. So I think, you know, it's funny because there's so many ways that the enemy is trying to engender strife in our country from these topics to racial divides. It's just openly an agenda for the purpose of bringing strife and on an enemy agenda. And then, of course, that, that makes that would lead us to become angry because we see it happening. Um, and so it also is happening in, in uh, an enemy strategy would try to get us to experience that same thing in our walk with the Lord, not just about topics or issues. Um, but I, I've referenced this on a number of occasions, the ways that the enemy is trying to influence me just on a personal level. And it's really bizarre. It, it really, really is bizarre. But it's, um, it's, it's an agenda of strife. It's an agenda of strife. Um, and, and this book of remembrance thing that, that we're doing, 
that sounds awful, this book of remembrance thing, what we shared from Malachi and what I feel the Lord's wanting us to be doing as a way to come before the Father and bond with him as we're going into the new and also to protect us from these strategies that are yeah, you, you hear about what Elijah said you know, talk about his book of remembrance he would say I've not accomplished anything I'm no better than my forefathers well that's that's not true look at what he did but that's a strategy of the enemy well you think too I mean how many thousands of years ago did he live yeah and we're still talking about his testimony yeah, that's and true. And we're still learning from his walk with the Lord. We're still learning from the exploits that he did and from the weaknesses that he had and from those very things. And if you think that is not <laughs> something that needs to be noted, that alone. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I, I hope I carry a legacy. Even while I'm alive, where people would, well, I'm not even going to use myself look at you and, 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 and your walk with the Lord and the testimony that you have and the way that you've poured your life out for him, for service to him and the faithfulness, that that is a testimony to everybody that you encounter and from now until your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will be talking about that. And wow. Well, you know, I would say this. And again, as a leader, as a leader, knowing what I know about what the enemy is trying to do and what the Father has promised and where we're going and the influences that you can see, I would say that if this topic seems strange to anybody, and if you say, well, I'm not experiencing any of that, and maybe you need to get before the Lord <laughs> um, and really ask him why uh, you know I'll, I'll tell you this and I'm not going to go too far with this but a couple of weeks ago you stood up before the congregation on a Sunday and asked for a recommitment to prayer that's just just a bullet point description you said a lot of other things but that and you had everybody raise their hand if if they would testify that perhaps their time in prayer had been under attack and if we would be willing to recommit ourselves to go deeper and of course I raised my hand and I heard after that that there were some in my congregation that were stunned that I did that what that and and I thought why would you be stunned what would what would what would that indicate that that I was saying yeah, the enemy's trying to stop us from praying, and yes, I am. I want to be the first to recommit. So, if if you're in a position that you are walking with the Lord, Lord loves you, and you're not dealing with any of these issues, then that shows me that refinement is really not being welcomed in your doors, and you need to really go before the Lord. And I'm not. It kind of irritated me at first, and then I thought, well, this gives me another way to to go before God. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But get this book of remembrance, you know, this morning when we were in our, our pre-meeting our pre prayer here, 
I was talking to the Lord about this, and it's really been not about what I just said, but about the book of remembrance. And the Heavenly Father took me back to the initial times before his spirit really revolutionized our ministry here. And he started talking to me about being a servant. And it was funny because I could sense the spirit saying, if you really are a servant in the depth of who you are and you don't have any other agenda, you don't have any other aspiration. If you really are humble in that, then God can use you. If you started that way and then grew and gained responsibility, um, and, it, and it left the initial meaning of what being a servant was, then you're done. And, and it, it's re it was really an interesting conversation that I could hear the Father speaking to me about. And it, I'm not saying that I ever left that, but hiding myself in that is a great defense from the things that the enemy's trying to do today. You know, I'm, I don't know if I'm saying this very no, well. I, I need to understand better what you're saying. Well, a lot of the strife that the enemy's trying to engender is based upon what we've become in the Lord, what we have taken a stand in, how we've taught, what we've put ourselves out there to do. And the, the assaults against that, we could take umbrage, we could feel um, inadequate, we could be judgmental. We could, you know, you can, and, but it all faces on that. And we can also have problems with God because, you know, we've done this for you and look. I mean, read the Bible. That's, what's, that's what Moses said. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and so if you go back to saying, and we, you know, we can say this and not really mean it. Oh, I can really poetically say it and not really mean it. I just want to go back in the depth of who I am to what you made me to be that you caused all this to grow out from. I want to go back to just saying whatever it is you have, I just want that. And it's not about... We've lost people. How many mighty people have we lost because, and in fairness, it's the same thing. It just takes different forms because they felt their ministry wasn't being promoted. Somehow we were holding them back, and uh, so they had ambitions, so they're going to launch out on their own. We're going to cut ourselves off because we feel we're being abused. That has happened over and over and over over and over again and and I, I don't fault them because it's the same enemy you know there was a, two days ago I was praying and I was here in the sanctuary and I was over by the nation's wall and I heard this voice come through the wall and it said this I took out 
mentioned a name. And it was easy. And I'm coming for you. And I, I was stunned at that because the enemy is really prideful, you know. And I thought, what does that mean? I, I knew what it meant. Immediately I knew what it meant. And then I thought, how am I allowing myself to get into that same position as the enemy maneuvered to accomplish his nefarious end? Because for me, as the leader here, I don't have anybody but I don't mean this in a bad way, but I don't really answer. I'm accountable, but I'm the leader. So uh, what leader am I going to say, you're holding me back other than God? I'm not saying this very well, but, but I think that this book of remembrance to go for all of us to go back to what God really invested at the heart of who we are not based upon what we've been able to do for him or experience in him but the heart of who we are if it maybe that's what the cycle of dying is where if you die you go back to that maybe that's the cycle of leaven maybe you go you go back to that so now that i've spewed all of this out Bless me, sister, for I have, I have battled this. Now, I'm going to give you the opportunity, prophetically, to minister, bring it home. <laughs> can you do it, sister? Can you, can you do it? Yeah, I do have some things to comment about that. And um, First of all, as far as you lifting your hands to yield yourself for a deeper walk of intercession... That is something that absolutely stirs me to push forward because the humility there is that is our way forward. That was the way forward for Jesus, and that is the way forward for us. Father, not my will, but your will. And we want nothing more than his will to be manifest through us through the purity and really the baseness of our identity because it, it is the dying to ourselves and becoming as dust so that we can be caught up in his wind so that we can function in his spirit so that we can accomplish through in every way what he intends for us to do and so if that humility wasn't there in my leader, I would be of most all concerned. And I know that I referenced just recently when I was teaching, I taught on the prayer life of Jesus. And, and I had studied it for a couple of days, or actually longer than that. I actually started plowing into that during my time away when I was at home um, in my secret place before the Lord when I had first broken my foot and I couldn't actually move very much um, for about two months and so it it didn't paralyze it paralyzed me physically where I couldn't get out and about I couldn't go up and down the stairs I spent a good two months just in my prayer closet 
and I asked the Lord to teach me how he prayed. And so he began to take me on this journey of, um, of different circumstances, different ways that Jesus expressed himself in prayer through scripture. But anyway, I remember when I was preparing to bring that to the congregation, it was like a couple of days before that you had taught on Wednesday Night Live and you, you opened up with talking about being before the Lord and, and being convicted of your prayer life, you know, and going before the Father and say, Father, did I honor you today in prayer? Was I faithful in my prayer today? Was I faithful to pray in the Spirit, to bring supplication, to, to honor you in the way that you've taught me to pray? And, and that really, that touched me so deeply, and it made me realize that everything that we are, the core of our identity was created for that very thing, was created to function in the spirit with the saintly wind, with our elder brother, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, on behalf of the will of our Father, and to carry those things that are in his heart, those burdens of his heart, and bring those forth um, through intercession, through supplication, through prosukamai, in the same way that Jesus did. And it was early in the morning, it was late at night, it was through the night, it was in the face of major decisions, it was before major exploits of the Spirit, miracles, everything that he did when he walked the face of the earth was shrouded and covered in prayer to the Father. And that's, that's what we're called to, and that is my heart's desire, not only for myself, for all of us. But, you know, going back to being a servant and going back to that place of humility, um, I, this is another, I guess, testimony that I would share during that time at the beginning of the year for the first couple of months. You know, we can get so wrapped up in, in our function and the way that we do things. And I know just like even beginning with the whole COVID season with when, when we began to be locked down and it was seminar time and you could just sense things shifting in the spirit even during that week, many of you were here where the, the enemy had pulled a fast one, obviously, but the Lord so graciously and so powerfully carried us through those couple of years but it was life-changing for so many of us because I can just speak for myself. I had learned to do things well. I had been walking this walk and really been functioning in this ministry for so long, traveling and doing, you know, going alongside the apostle as, as a prophet and as a teacher, um, preaching and, and teaching in the different nations, traveling, getting on and off airplanes, going to different lands and praying and proskuneoing and, you know, speaking into the purpose of the nations and just all the things that God has allowed us to accomplish over the last 15, 20 years. It had become my way of life. It had become my lifestyle. It had become what I do and the ministry plus what we do here in the Father's Church and throughout the networks. And so when the Lord, when things began to shift and we became grounded, so to speak, in the natural, 
no more travel. The doors closed on going into the nations, temporarily albeit. It was a huge shift for me because I had allowed my identity to become what I did. And I didn't even know that I, that had happened. Now, it is part of who we are. You cannot separate the function that God has you, the ministry that he has for you with your identity. You can't separate those two. It's like the principle of agape. His agape is breathing hard after his purpose. And it's like faith without works. There has to be works that accomplish the faith. In agape, when we breathe hard after his purpose, there has to be function that comes forth that. It's like the principle of supplication. You, 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 you plow, you press deep into the heart of the Father, and you draw for him, from him the things that are on his heart, the things that he wants to accomplish, his burden. And you come forth with that in supplication, and then you subsequently bring it into a, 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 a prayer, like a prosukamai-type prayer, where you proactively prophesy through prayer the desires of God's heart prophetically. And, and so I it took me a while, but I recognized that what I did had become who I was. And so when that shift happened, it was, it was, it was somewhat of a, a painful but also a very beautiful journey for me to, to find that place of rest again in the Lord where I was abiding in his breath, and that was the most important part of who I was and what I did. Regardless of whether or not he was sending me forth into a nation, whether I was holding a Zoom teaching with the French-speaking people, whether or not we were gathering on a Zoom to take communion with our congregation, whether I was hosting through Zoom a prayer time, whether I was just sitting quietly before the Lord, whether I was leading my family in a Bible study or in communion at the table or coming here to pray. He insisted it was like an insistence of his heart that he brought me back to that place of purity and just the baseness of my identity and who I was in him and and I really believe and I I, I hope and I pray that that so many of you have experienced something similar to where um, in this juncture where we are now as we're being prepared for what lies ahead. We don't know what that looks like, but we do know that we are called to the nations. But I know that I know that I know that I will do everything that I can from this day forward to preserve my identity in that place of his breath. Because when you step out of that is when you begin to strive when you begin to really strive to produce or to, to be really good at what you do. And yes, we need to be extraordinary at what he's called us to do. But guys, it's not by might and it's not by power. It is by his spirit. And, and, and for me, and I know for you, it's really coming before him. And I have a totally different perspective now. When I stand before the congregation or when I'm asked to minister or to teach or anything like that, even in prayer, that I, I posture myself from that place of his breath 
and that place of humility and that place of baseness to where as Christ has been formed in me and I have been born of him that nothing comes forth that is not him that it is a hundred percent him and granted I mean being human um, we we do do our very best to bring forth the fruit and you have to study and you have to prepare and you have to do the due diligence you have to be in prayer you have to be before the Lord in order to 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 be a conduit of his breath and of his word and that is our primary place in him that is our primary calling that is our primary function and it all begins in his heart it all begins in his spirit and it all begins in that abiding place one with him in the vine so that we can bring forth the fruit and so you know one of the things in my book of remembrance in fact I've been praying a lot about this since this um, directive was released is you know I think about you know what has God said what has he spoken over me? What has he spoken over my family? What has he spoken over this church, over the saints? Um, because that is my family and that is my heart. I am part of a body where every joint supplies. You can't separate me from this body. And so when we go before the Lord as part of the body, we go before the Lord on behalf of the body. And the Lord just keeps reminding me in this place of remembrance of those things of what he has spoken over us about the purity of our identity in him as those that have hearts after his heart as those who have a heart to be in commune with our Heavenly Father to know and to love and to um, to share the burden of the Lord Jesus Christ for this earth and to flow fluidly in the spirit through it all and to continuously walk in that spirit of humility and that spirit of baseness because you know this is one of the things that I was thinking about this morning because I've I, we've got this wedding on Friday and we have a there's a lot of people that are ascending upon Dallas they're coming from California they're coming from other parts of the country um, Amber's family is coming from different parts of the country and then their communities all coming from California they're all beginning to arrive um, I feel a responsibility as a host is you know hospitality to welcome them to create a space of fellowship at the table if you will for all of those that I know and love that are walking in the kingdom with us that are coming to this wedding to celebrate with us this covenant and quite honestly I feel so empty because I'm I, I'm I'm in my in my natural state in my flesh I'm weary because not only I'm still struggling with this process of healing with my ankle I'm still it's still a little bit difficult for me to walk and to move about and so that is a little bit of a strain but I rejoice in that because I'm so much farther than I what I was um, 
but secondly, it's just, it's, it's, it's expending yourself in the process of preparing for a wedding. And there's a lot to that. And the wedding is here, so I am a major part of that, that spirit of hospitality and welcoming and making sure that everything is in order and set and the caterers are in set and the tables are set and preparing the table is what it is. That's how I keep looking at it. That is my perspective is we are preparing a table before the Lord where he is going to be in the center and this marriage is going to happen. The covenant's going to be made and we are going to celebrate at his table. But it's exhausting. And so I was thinking, and I've not been sleeping very well the last couple of weeks, and so I was thinking, Lord, I need you to fill me up. I mean, I physically, I'm just tired, and it's just really the beginning of the week for this celebration. And, and the Lord reminded me about how he, he loves to overflow out of an empty vessel. That is where he is the most prolific, is when we are emptied out of ourselves and give him full reign to fill us to overflowing. And so this is going to be a testimony because I'm going to share how he absolutely, you know, my feeling of being broken bread and poured out wine, that it is going to be 100% his spirit that is going to move through this celebration that is going to empower every part of it and his spirit is just going to manifest and show itself so beautifully through that and so I mean think about this think about the wilderness how he promises through scripture to bring rain to pour rain into the wilderness to water the dry ground to um, to cause it to flourish and be fruitful and so I just, alongside you, I just present myself in that place of barrenness, in that place of emptiness, in that place of baseness and humility to say, Lord, I have nothing to give but a heart that wants to manifest and demonstrate your love and your spirit to everyone who comes to this celebration. And it is only by your grace that I am able to do that. And I think that's pretty much our walk right now. I mean, do you feel weary? Do you feel tired? Do you often feel like, um, in, you know, dry and barren? That is the perfect platform for him to move. And so I just, I rejoice in that. And I look forward to really bringing a testimony about how he poured out so beautifully and so powerfully through each one of us in the days ahead because it's just it's just the perfect setting and not only that in his timing to turn the water into wine his timing is perfect and I'm just so thankful to be walking alongside each one of you in this journey you know I I, I have to say that in my book of remembrance has been prolifically has been the last five months where something totally unexpected occurred in my life. It hindered me physically and caused me not to be able to run physically or even walk physically. But I am learning moment by moment what it means to walk in the spirit with him in ways that I never knew. 
And the beautiful thing about it, and I'll end with this, is there's two steps. It's two steps. Walking with him is two steps. Your left foot, your right foot. For the prophetic and the fulfillment. And yes, there's a sila in between, but we talk about walking in the spirit in life does not happen without the step of death. And so it's like you've got to have the dying process to take that next step of life in him. And to me, that is such a beautiful example of how he calls us to walk in the spirit is two steps. Two step. We're going to two step into the kingdom. And that is dying to our flesh, that prophetic walk, and then taking that next step into the fulfillment of what that promise was through the sila, through the prayer, through the supplication to see the fulfillment of it. And, you know, you think you take two steps left, right, left, right, left, right. If you do that faithfully, if you're faithful to die so that he might live through you, it's like resurrection life. It's like that never came without him dying. And that's how we walk in resurrection life. It's a two-step process. And so when you take those two steps, you keep moving forward. And you walk in that resurrection life and in that histeme power, that stasis, where we walk in the insistence of what we know that we know that we know that he is ordained from the foundation of the earth for the terio for which we are walking through. And so it's such a beautiful pathway. And um, I'm just so thankful and so blessed to be able to do it alongside each one of you. And I bless you today. And I just thank you for your prayers. We have a lot of prayer requests that, that we have released before the Lord. And we're believing for his mighty touch to touch each and every one of you in your place of need as we come before him and 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 trust and belief that he is going to meet every need he is our source he is our supply and he is our faithful god that we serve so i bless you today i love you so much um have a wonderful day and until i guess tomorrow when our apostle brings us the message through Wednesday Night Live, I just speak the goodness of the Lord over you in every way. Amen.